Welcome to the Need to Know podcast from the Wilson Center, a podcast for policymakers available to everyone. Always informative, nonpartisan, and relevant, we go beyond the headlines to understand the trend lines in foreign policy. Welcome back to the Need to Know podcast. We have kind of slowed down a little bit after the election, but now some foreign policy topics are starting to pick up again. And we're going to have our old friend Michael Kugelman back here to talk to us about what's going on in Afghanistan and a troop drawdown that has been announced by President Trump recently. So welcome back, Michael Kugelman. Thanks, Aaron. Good to be back here with you. So I think from a perspective of just the average non-expert watcher of this, we've been in Afghanistan for two decades, and there has been politically a great interest in removing the American presence to some degree, you know, whether it be completely or drawing down uh, to a certain level among a lot of people in the electorate. So it's been an issue that we've seen in presidential and congressional campaigns for years. Now, here we are post-election, and we have President Trump saying that we are drawing down of a bunch of troops out of Afghanistan. Could you, I think, I guess let's start with the particulars of what this drawdown actually means for troops that are in the region and um, how this differs from what we've seen from other presidents in the past? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I think that uh, you know, the, the, the operative thing to keep in mind here are the, um, the domestic political uh, factors at play here, that um, President Trump has wanted to keep a promise uh, to, his, to his supporters, to his rank and file, and that's to bring American troops home uh, and not to continue these unending wars. And of course, it's true that this announcement is made after he had lost the election, um, which is interesting. But I think that uh, what he had wanted to do here is to you know, keep in mind his legacy, keep in mind the fact that he may have plans on running for election again. You never know. I think he wanted to um, to be able to prove that he's kept his promises to bring as many troops home as uh, as possible. So in terms of how this compares with presidents of the past, you know, I would argue that um, the last few U.S. presidents. Um, Trump and also Barack Obama didn't really have an interest in sticking around uh, in Afghanistan. But I think that um, President Trump from the start had made it quite clear that he was much more keen to withdraw quickly than President Obama was. And President Trump was willing to take steps that President Obama was not. And you know the main change is that uh, President Trump was willing to agree to direct talks with the, uh, with the Taliban, direct bilateral talks without any presence um, from the Afghan government. Um, Barack Obama had never agreed to that. So once President Trump agreed to those direct talks with the Taliban, that set in motion uh, negotiations with the Taliban and eventual agreement with the Taliban, which calls for uh, eventually all U.S. troops to get out of Afghanistan by next spring. That's when it's supposed to happen, so long as the Taliban upholds um, its own commitments in that in that agreement, um, but you know I think what's happened over the last few years is we've slowly gotten to the point uh, where the departure of all U.S. troops from Afghanistan will become an inevitability, and I think that in Kabul, certainly there's a lot of concern that this latest decision is really an indication of 
what's to come, that the U.S. is on its way out, that eventually, not too long from now, it's going to be turning the lights out, and uh, there'll be very few, if any, U.S. troops uh, remaining in the country. So, you know, it's important to keep in mind that that we're not bringing all, Trump is not bringing all the troops home. There will be 2,500 remaining. Certainly, it's a small number, but it's still, it's still a force. It's enough to provide a psychological boost, uh, so to speak, safety net for, for Afghanistan, for the Afghan military. Um, but um, clearly, this is further than we've gone, uh, than, than, further than any other U.S. president has gone since 2001. And you, can't, you can draw a very strong contrast between now and, say, 2011, when we had the upwards of 100,000 troops uh, in Afghanistan. And you know, what President Trump would say is, well, and we had 100,000 troops on the ground at one point, and we weren't able to, uh, to win the war. We weren't even able to tame the insurgency. So why, why stick it out anymore? Why keep a few thousand there when it's costing so much money and it's cost uh, a large number of American lives? Why not just bring them home? You mentioned, and we have talked before on the podcast, about the talks with the Taliban and how the president has really done this bilateral talks that we haven't seen before. What has been the outcome of that? It, it, are those completed? Uh, and since they did not include the Afghan government, and how does that play into this decision to draw down? Or are they on separate tracks? Well, no, I think you hit on, on an important point that um, you know Trump went further than any other U.S. president had gone to launch a peace process, to launch talks with, Taliban, with the Taliban. He got talks going. There were negotiations. There was an agreement, an actual deal with the Taliban. And yet that agreement set in motion a broader peace process between the Taliban and the Afghan government, which has been really struggling uh, to get off the ground. It, uh, it launched a few weeks back, but it's really been struggling to get off the ground. And then you have um, President Trump make this move, which, you know, as I noted before, certainly is something that one could understand from a domestic political point of view here in the United States, from a policy point of view, because, you know, U.S. policy had really not been working in Afghanistan. And yet, I would argue that by withdrawing, um, by making this unilateral decision to withdraw 2,000 troops, um, that could be a major blow to this very fragile peace process that's been struggling to start with. And the reason I say that is that um, by um, U.S. troops, I would argue, are one of the most uh, powerful tools of American leverage in Afghanistan. We know the Taliban wants U.S. troops out. The U.S. Taliban agreement uh, stipulates that, that, they, that they leave. And yet, the message that the president has sent is that by removing 2,000 troops, um, the negotiations don't really matter that much. The, the, the Afghan peace process doesn't matter that much because these troops were pulled from the country without, without any type of return action or any type of reciprocal, reciprocal action from the Taliban. The U.S. government, uh, as, as you know, has been pushing the Taliban for a long time to reduce its violence, whereas, in fact, it's intensified. Even as it has been talking with the Afghan government, the Taliban has refused to uh, stop cooperating with al-Qaeda, which is one of the major um, commitments that it agreed to in its deal with the U.S. So it hasn't done any of that. And yet the president still decided to pull these 2,000 troops. And I think that that sends a pretty significant message to the Taliban, which could essentially enable it to think, well, what's the point of really taking these negotiations seriously? Why not just waiting why not, why not just wait a bit more until even more U.S. troops are gone or until all of them are gone? And then they could just give up on the peace process altogether, focus their full attention on the fight. They'd have a huge advantage on the battlefield with no U.S. troops there. 
and be in a position to, uh, to seize total power. So bottom line is it's, it's ironic that Trump did so much to, to get a peace process going. There's never been a Taliban peace process in Afghanistan. And yet he's done something that could um, undermine, if not sabotage, that very effort. And if I, am I correct that it's stipulated that this would be completed by January 15th, which would be six days prior to the inauguration of the next administration. Right. Yeah. The idea is for the 2000 troops to be all out um, by, uh, by, yeah, by January 15th, which indeed is just a few days before inauguration. And, you know, logistically it's, it's a tough thing to pull off. Uh, I think the troops themselves, you could get 2000 troops out of, out of the country easily enough, but there's all the equipment, you know, you're talking about heavy uh, weaponry, you're talking about tanks, things like that. It's, it, that takes a lot of time um, logistically, and uh, clearly the, the administration apparently has, has a plan, but uh, it's, it's going to be tough to pull that off, though, indeed, the, the plan is to have it done uh, just a few days before our next president uh, takes office. I, looking ahead then to the next president, what do you expect from a Biden administration on this? Um, because uh, new commander-in-chief new ideas, uh, maybe there's a different strategy there. What do you expect to come from the next administration on this? Yeah, so President-elect Biden actually has um, fairly similar views to the current president when it comes to policy in Afghanistan. Biden, he wants to get out. He wants to remove troops from the country. Uh, he also supports the, the, the peace process. Um, I, I, I do think there could be some some differences. I imagine that we will see a President Biden try to be a bit stricter uh, with the Taliban. I suspect, though this is harder to do when you have so few troops on the ground, I suspect that um, the Biden could threaten to slow down, if not um, uh, suspend any future U.S. troop withdrawals until the Taliban shows signs that it's actually starting to stage fewer attacks and reduce its violence as well as um, reducing its cooperation with, with al-Qaeda. And you know, Biden would be able to make a very strong case. Um, once it gets to, say, April, late April, May, which is when all U.S. troops are expected to be out per the U.S.-Taliban deal, if it gets to that point in the calendar and the U.S. government concludes that the Taliban has still not uh, stopped its cooperation with al-Qaeda, at that point, Biden would, would have the right. Uh, he would be well within his right, per the terms of the agreement, to say, well, we're not we're not pulling any more troops until you deal with the al-Qaeda problem. Uh, and that could pose a bit of a, um, a bit of a crisis. But I think that for, for Biden, his, his, the lens through which he has long looked at Afghanistan has been one of counterterrorism, which is not different from, from Trump either. But I think that for Biden, his main goal will be to figure out how to ensure a continued U.S. counterterrorism capacity in Afghanistan um, for the foreseeable future. And I think that uh, if he had his druthers, I think ideally that would entail for him maintaining a small U.S. troop presence in Afghanistan, um, maybe fewer than the 2,500 that'll be there when he takes office. Um, but you know, the question is, would he be able to work something out with the Taliban, where the Taliban would agree to have that small troop contingent there? Or would he have to look for some type of arrangement, some type of offshore arrangement where you'd have U.S. forces somewhere else, whether you know, Uzbekistan or I don't know, some other friendly country where you could base troops and uh, use those, those areas as a base for counterterrorism operations. That'll require a lot of diplomacy, a lot of delicate diplomacy. Uh, so that'll, that'll be the big challenge for, for Biden. But I think in the immediate term, when he first takes office, 
Um, you know, one of his his initial decisions will have already been made for him. He won't have to make an initial decision about troop withdrawals because he's going to enter there with with two thousand already gone. But I think that the first goal will be trying to get tougher on the Taliban to try to get it to to, to agree to the things that the Trump administration hasn't been able to get it to agree to. Um, but then beyond that, figuring out how to best implement this this counterterrorism capacity that for him is, is such a, a, a an important thing in Afghanistan. Well, and I guess when we talk about the next administration, are they hamstrung or does policy change because of this apparent decoupling of troop withdrawal and negotiations with the Taliban? Because as you said before, Taliban didn't really do anything to to have this happen. And it's made mostly driven by domestic political concerns. Oh, you're right. I mean, it's going to be a very difficult, it's going to be a very tall order for Biden because, you know, as I mentioned before, um, you know, you have so few troops on the ground that deprives you uh, a lot of, of, uh, of a lot of, of leverage that you could use theoretically uh, with the Taliban to try to get it to do more. Um, but again, I mean, he does have, Biden will have the, the advantage of the U.S. Taliban deal, which which calls for all U.S. troops to be gone by uh, by by the spring, and so you know he could try to use those remaining twenty five hundred troops as a bargaining chip, particularly coupled with a threat on on Al Qaeda. And let me say, very few experts, if any, including me, believe that the Taliban is going to have any type of incentive to to cut off ties with Al Qaeda. These are long standing friends; they're ideological, spiritual, operational partners. Of course, it was the Taliban that that hosted the Al-Qaeda leadership and refused to, uh, to release them, which is why U.S. forces entered Afghanistan in 2001. So uh, th- this administration is going to have a lot of challenges on its hands in Afghanistan. How to deal with this small troop contingent, how to, make, how to use that for leverage, even though it will be difficult, what to do about the Al-Qaeda problem, and of course, ultimately, when to just say, we're done. Uh, we're just going to, uh, to take everyone out, not focus as much on, on a peace process that will continue to struggle. So um, it's 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 going to be it's I know it's going to be a foreign policy priority for the for for the for Biden when he takes office, but it's going to be a really tough thing. It's going to be a really tough nut to crack this this Afghanistan story. As we head towards a conclusion here, I want to talk about two domestic situations: one, ours, and two, Afghanistan's. Um, in the United States, even though we have seen this desire politically to remove troops from Afghanistan, they remain, and yet there's still yet a political move to keep them there, either as a bargaining chip or because there are people who feel like the job is not done yet. When it was rumored that this was that this drawdown was going to happen, you saw Senator McConnell take to the Senate floor and say the terrorists would love this plan, right? Which is that kind of rhetoric we've heard prior to this. I mean, this is not new to this situation. So when you look at the landscape in Congress and, you know, kind of removing it from State Department and White House politics, when you look at Congress and the representatives of people across the country, what are you seeing there when it comes to this drawdown and and Afghanistan policy in general? Yeah, well, it is is quite striking how some um, of the president's uh, key allies um, have have taken issue with him. I mean, it's 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 relatively unusual for that to happen. And the fact that you've got Senator McConnell and sort of more subtly, but nonetheless uh, as well, Senator Graham um, has has come out with some uh, some critical comments as well about this move. 
I think that for me, it amplifies what is a pretty strongly held view uh, within um, many key Republican uh, senators, Republican members of Congress about the terrorism risks. I, I really think that that's, that's the big concern. I don't think that these, um, these, these Republican leaders that have been concerned about this move are, are worried about uh, losing, lever losing leverage vis-a-vis -vis the Taliban um, or anything like that. I think it really comes down to the terrorism concern. And here, I think that there is reason to be, reason to say that this fear may be overstated. In other words, this idea that by removing American troops, we make it more likely the Taliban, that Afghanistan will revert to the international terror safe haven that it was in the late 90s leading into the 9-11 into the uh, attacks. Yeah, I mean, the, Afghanistan is, is a different place than it was uh, back in the day. Um, you know, the main international terror groups in Afghanistan are not what they used to be. Al-Qaeda is still there. It's partnered with, it's, it's, uh, it cooperates with the Taliban, but it's much weaker than it used to be. Um, you have the Islamic State, you have the, uh, the, the South Asian branch of the Islamic State terror group that has a significant presence in Afghanistan and is certainly the second most potent um, militant group in that country after the Taliban. But I would not argue, I, would not, I do not think that that group has the capacity to plan, much less mount, terrorist attacks in the United States uh, or anywhere outside of Afghanistan or the, or the broader South Asian region. So I think that there may be a tendency to overstate that threat, that terrorism threat. Um, but certainly, I mean, given the history, given how things have unfolded uh, with 9-11 and, and everything that happened after that, I can understand why many of these, um, these members of Congress opposed to Trump's decision would make those types of, uh, of claims. And indeed, the fact that it's the election is over, um, you know, the, many of these folks have just been reelected in, um, in Congress. I mean, it's, it's striking that they would come out against the president, given that they've been relatively reluctant and haven't really done much of that since. So I think it, it, it highlights just how worried they are about this threat that I think certainly is a threat, but that shouldn't, shouldn't be overstated. I think a, a much bigger concern is that Afghanistan will fall apart and that the Taliban will come back to power, which in of itself is a big problem. But, you know, from the context of cold, hard American interests, um, you know, I don't think that is as stark and, and, and concerning as the idea of terrorists using Afghanistan to plan and mount attacks in the United States. So that actually gets to my final question here, which is the domestic political situation in Afghanistan. You mentioned the, the threat of Afghanistan falling apart. We've talked about this before, but remind our listeners the level of control which the Afghan central government versus Taliban has um, and and what the prospects are for actual political control there. And, and uh, I think there is a concern about Afghanistan just falls apart and, and does you know, turn back into a Taliban state. Yeah, and that's a very uh, valid concern. But look, uh, the... The situation is very precarious in terms of Afghan government uh, control. Um, there's long been a stalemate in, in Afghanistan where the, the Afghan uh, government state um, controls the cities. Uh, you know, you have terrorist attacks that are staged by the Taliban and other groups, but the cities are in the control of the government. But um, rural areas um, all around the country 
are under the influence and in, in many cases the control of the Taliban. And in fact, the Taliban now controls more territory in Afghanistan than it has at any time since U.S. forces entered in 2001. And I think the big concern is that if U.S. troops leave uh, with these additional 2,000 leaving and eventually if they're all gone, the other NATO countries that have troops in Afghanistan, they will likely follow suit just because the U.S. tends to have the most and the highest resources. They won't want to stick around if the U.S. leaves. So if Afghanistan is faced with a situation where just about the entire foreign troop presence is gone, what you have to worry about then is the Taliban being in a position to take cities, to take urban centers. And one of the main reasons why the Taliban has not been able to seize urban areas is that um, U.S. airstrikes, U.S. air power has been used. It's been called in uh, by Afghan security forces to help Afghan ground forces repel these Taliban offensives into cities. So that's why there, there have been a few very brief Taliban takeovers of, of urban areas in recent years, but they've never actually held anything. But with U.S. forces out, out, I do think that it's it's basically an inevitability that the Taliban will take over cities. And once they start taking over cities, it'll be easier for them to take political power. And then that could lead to a situation where they can threaten to take over uh, the entire country, which could lead to, to a civil war um, before anything else. And you know, for long-suffering Afghans that have basically been immersed in some type of war for almost 40 years, obviously that's the worst worst possible situation for them. Well, Michael Kugelman, the deputy director of our Asia program at the Wilson Center, thank you again for helping us get this clear-eyed, nonpartisan view of this troop drawdown and its and its effects both domestically and and in the foreign policy space here well it's always a pleasure i'm sorry that i had to end on such a down note <laughs> it is a little bit sobering when you talk civil war but i i think that for our listeners and policymakers and congressional staff who have to look at this 20 years of of war you know we we have to play the hand that we're dealt so this is uh like i said a, a clear-eyed nonpartisan view of and appreciate that my pleasure